0: This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on tunein.com, FM, and upsnap mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Here's Lisa, living fearlessly with Lisa McDonald.
1: Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 145 countries. 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. Once again, we are joined by yet another phenomenal guest. So who is my guest of today? Well, my guest of today is a beautiful Spitfire woman by the name of Tamara Blankenship. Tamara is a relationship communication specialist helping thousands of people unlock the fears of pain and discomfort through the art of neutral communication. Her unique approach to truth, transparency and support gives men and women the ability to have the courage to be vulnerable without attachment by working with them to practice what it takes to be present and intentional with communication. Her unique adjustments to mindset will dismiss the belief that the uncomfortable is just the way it is into seeing the gifts that are hidden in every experience. At the age of three, Tamara heard the calling to be of service and has spent a lifetime observing the way individuals interact, giving her the opportunity to be a witness to both pain and self-discovery. Her expertise and instinct regarding the human condition helps her serve clients going through struggles with divorce, eating disorders, communication breakdowns, relationship struggles, and most of all, lacking self-love. Tamara is certified by the American Association of Drugless Practitioners and graduated from Institute for Integrative Nutrition in NY as a holistic health coach, CHHC, certified clinical clinical anxiety treatment professional, CCATP, yoga instructor, CYT, hypnotherapist, CHT, and also has served as a deacon and studied Tibetan philosophy. Tamara Blankenship International has created countless workshops and programs, including the Reignite Your Passion program, the Whole Body Transformation program, the Shift Show podcast, Conquering Anxiety, and a YouTube channel. Wow, what a repertoire. Welcome to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Tamara, how are you, my friend?
2: Hello. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me here. So excited to spend some time with you.
1: uh, This is wonderful. I mean, of course, we had uh, some time spent together in the back end before this was to roll out. And I just want to say you're an absolute treat. And I've been totally looking forward to this interview because I respect and admire everything you're doing in terms of service, uh, being a huge contributor and being somebody who staunchly believes in paying it forward and being of service. So for all that you do for Elevator humanity and the human consciousness, I want to thank you very much.
2: Oh, thank you so much. Wow. What a wonderful way to start the day.
1: <laughs> thank <laughs> well, you for that. True. Well, it's true. I mean, we wouldn't be here today if it were not for the way that you continually emit the positive energy and, and really, you know, prop people up. You're an anchor for so many people and you're doing so many wonderful things. So as everybody knows who follows me, for which I'm very grateful for, this is very uh, unscripted. It's organic. I think it makes for a much more authentic conversation. But what I would like to do is start with asking you uh, specifically. Specifically, Tamara, what was the transformative moment that occurred for you at the age of three? Ooh, that's a great one. Usually
2: people ask me what happens sooner, so um, <laughs> I get to share a fun story I haven't shared in a long time. Actually, when I was three years old, um, you know how, uh, you know, holiday times is approaching real quick, so this is actually a fun topic for me to discuss. My parents used to have this gorgeous Christmas tree, and I remember underneath the tree there was this nativity scene, and I was always, as a little child, fascinated with, you know, just this... Um, illusion you know the the way we connect and the way we communicate and how we interact and I knew at that age believe it or not that I was there was a purpose there was a reason to be here and so I'd sat underneath that Christmas tree staring at the angel and figured that was the closest connection to God that I could possibly imagine mm-hmm. and I had asked very simply what am I here for God's animals to serve God's animals God's people or God's planet. And uh, I remember very shortly after that, I was taught a valuable lesson of having a lost voice. Um, I was sexually assaulted shortly after. And uh, it really, it became crystal clear that, um, you know, that losing a voice and, and feeling disconnected from your body and from being able to share with other people what you're experiencing and how how that dynamic just is so, you know, just being being there to see someone else through their pain is the biggest gift we can offer each other. And just being there as a witness, not telling them how to do it differently and not to tell them that they're, you know, they're wrong or right for their feelings or their beliefs, but to actually just allow them to be. It's the biggest gift we can gift each other. So Beautiful.
1: Beautiful. Well, a couple of things I want to say to that. So first of all, I want to thank you very much for being very vulnerable and raw and candid, uh, because for the people who are successful, such as yourself, who are on the show, for the purpose and the benefit of the listening audience, people want to know the backstory. People want to know yeah. what were some of the struggles, what were some of the adversities and the hardships. Because we don't just arrive at where we are today no. without, without <laughs> having gone through a lot. Wouldn't right? that be so cool to just all of a sudden be
2: <laughs> wise and absolutely and yeah,
1: Absolutely. Right? The second thing that I want to say to what you just said, which I, again, I'm very grateful for you having shared that so openly, is mm-hmm. what do you believe it was about you? That um, prevented you from becoming completely dispirited or jaded or pessimistic or non trusting of humanity as a whole as a result of the sexual trauma because we share that in common. Yes. That's another parallel between us because some people we <laughs> some people we know succumb to victimology and other people yes. very clearly can distinguish what the hardship was and make it work for them. I love victimology. I ca- I
2: use victim stance. I always believe every situation's a stance of either victim or not. So <laughs> Ooh, I, love I love that, that you too. have a very cool way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> you and know, I was always so you know like so right on it. It's so cute. <laughs> so um, actually, you know what? It's really fascinating. Um, yeah, I do. I, when I work with my clients that struggle with sexual assault or even just any like severe trauma, mm-hmm. they do. They have a, either disconnected behavior or they become the opposite. they become very embodied or very spiritual. And, um, I think for me, I, I, I just had such a passion for spirituality at such an early age that it felt very natural for me to lean in that space and not see it. I remember when I was going through the sexual assault in the beginning, when it first happened, I remember feeling dirty and wrong and, and, um, Mm. ugly, you know, I just, I, the only way I can express this as feeling that I was being punished, that I was wrong. And, um, gosh, it gets me so emotional when I go there. (laughs) Mm. So, um, what I, what I did in that space was I prayed a lot. I, I knew that I, um, that there was a reason that I was going through it. And I just knew that God would show me. And I was very, very passionate, even at that very young age, very clear that we all had a reason to be here and and that there was something important about it. And uh, unfortunately, it went on until I was 18 years old. So mm-hmm. this, the assault itself didn't happen for that long, thank God. But the reminder and that individual was around me for that long. And so every time I saw them, I was really triggered into the yes. emotion. So um, I didn't come out about my sexual assault until I was 32 years old. So that's a long time of holding a dark secret. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> and uh, it actually did create a lot of ex- insecure expressions. I remember being young and trying so hard to be liked by others. And I don't know if you can relate to this, but that desperate need for approval mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. in a level
2: where you will minimize and even fantasize. Yes. Some- Some realities that don't necessarily, I mean, they're truths, but then you extend the truth, you know, those little Mm -hmm. like exaggerations. And before you know it, you're living a life that's disconnected from yourself. And so I really became hyper aware of how I was doing that to myself. And that was the start. That really was. It was that moment of either lying and not being who I am or, you know, living the best life I could possibly be with integrity. And so that became my passion. Beautiful.
1: Absolutely beautiful, Tamara. Thank you for that too. So, you know, I was going to originally ask you, but you've now explained it and shared it for the living audience. Because when we went back to the top of the hour, when I asked you, what was it at three years old, that was the transformational moment. And when you provided your answer, I was then going to segue into saying, wow, that's very deep for a three-year-old. But my, my sexual abuse, having started at the age of four, you know, when you're and for such a, a taboo subject, when you're in your own head and you have to kind of be your own warrior and you've got to strategize how to keep yourself as safe as you possibly can, knowing that at that point you've not disclosed or people aren't protecting you willingly, knowingly, which was my yes. situation. Um, but now I can I can better appreciate, as I'm sure the listeners do, at three why you were so ahead of your, why you were just so light years ahead and why you were such a deep, substantive type person uh, who really was starting to think about deeper type concepts that are really now in today's day and age of personal growth, personal development, leadership and self-awareness and mindset. You know, it's kind of buzzy, buzzwordy and, and yes. uh, trendy to be talking <laughs> about these things. I know, but, funny. But, but personal growth, personal development without us having to be able to articulate it or even conceive of it at that young age, we were already doing that. We were already building that infrastructure within ourselves because there was nobody doing it for us.
2: Absolutely. I, I don't know if you had, um, I think everything has like a, I think of the stone throwing in the water and there's that ripple effect yes. right? throughout
1: your life. Well,
2: yes. um, the sexual assault sparked an eating disorder, which then sparked dyslexia. So
0: mm-hmm. I had
2: like the ripple effect. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you're right. It does. It, it
1: impacts
2: on so many different levels and the way you show up and, and the gifts are all interwound in that, mm-hmm. those individual experiences.
1: Absolutely. And, yeah. uh, and I'm sure you can attest to this for what you do, Tamara. Like if I had to go through all of that and relive it all over again, I would, I would, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. wish that upon people. I feel bad for the small child within myself who never should have been subjected to that, unfortunately. And for you as well. But, I can't say for sure that I myself and people like you uh, would have turned out to be the empaths, to be the nurturers, to be the people who can hear what people are not saying and have a pulse on people's feelings and emotions without them having verbalized it. I don't think we would be as intuitive as what we are and feel a calling to serve other people, whether it be for similar experienced uh, experiences or just generally on the spectrum of what it means to be a human where we have to tackle these things.
0: Oh, I
2: agree um, 100%. Absolutely. absolutely.
1: So let's talk about some of your clients. Let's talk about once sure. you got once you got exceptionally clear about how you could tap into all the unfortunate things that have happened to you but make it work for you and by working for you hence therefore uh the triple trickle effect of of helping other people and being a servant leader. So what give us the give us the backstory of that journey? Sure. Upon, dis, upon disclosure and finding your voice, what was the momentous growth uh, trajectory for you?
2: Well, it was fascinating. Um, after I came out about the sexual assault, of course, I had to navigate my my dear parents and their perspective of, you know, like, we thought we kept you safe, and all the you know, the patterning that comes from all the people mm. who thought they were diligent, and, and, and they did, they were. It wasn't, you know, what? how can you help somebody when you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. So um, navigating some of the outer, like, it's so fascinating to me how we think we're so alone in yet we impact so many with whether yes. we know them or not, you know, a smile on your face can ripple effect somebody into their day having this amazing day. We, we have to be accountable, right? So how you show up, if you're grumpy or if you, you know, you're unconscious, that's going to impact others. And so that was one of those moments where I started to really recognize how much, Responsibility. I needed to take ownership of my actions and Mm. the expressions that I was carrying. So that became my first really impactful moment where I started to recognize that that ripple effect, that that behavior, and so. Shortly after that, I, I I had already had a couple of children at that point. Um, I had my, th- actually, yeah, I had all three. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> I had all three of my kids by then. <laughs> so funny when you go back in timeline, you're like, yes, no, yes, no, yeah, yes, I did. <laughs> yep, they were all there. So um, I, I just my uh, my oldest was dealing with some school issues he had the school was convinced he was ADD and really what was going on is he had food sensitivities not not full full-blown food allergies but food sensitivities which were blocking his ability to function in school he was very you know he just couldn't sit still he was very fidgety and he couldn't focus but he was hyper brilliant like really really smart new mm-hmm. things without even studying. And so I was watching the way the school was interacting with him and navigating his expression, and how I went into the doctor's office to talk to them about it, and they're like, "Yeah, you need to be on meds." And I was like, "Wait a minute, you're not going to do any blood work or any like research, you're just going to give him medication." I was so disheartened, Mm -hmm. disheartened by the experience that I started to realize I had to be the advocate for all the things that go on in my life, and and not just my personal personal experiences but my children how to support them and help them learn by their experiences mine may have been sexual assault but now theirs was lack of voice within their education and feeling comfortable with society you know there was all kinds of things that were just like becoming hyper aware of how we interact. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we started doing the whole, um, I don't know if you've ever done the autism diet. It, it actually, they clean everything out of your diet and you basically no. slow introduce things slowly back into the diet. <laughs> it's a painful process, <laughs> but, um, but it was really great because it gave me information on each individual child and their food sensitivities. So then because i had gone through this i started working with families who were also experiencing being labeled or in a sit based even if they did have add how to help them navigate it with natural therapies like medicine as far as food and and more um you know picking the right school for your child to thrive versus trying to mm-hmm. force them to conform and you know like really playing out some of these different opportunities and before i knew it i had a huge practice um and i had studied i'd gone like you'd like you'd spoken about, the IIN, integrated, uh, the Integrated Nutrition Program, I started taking that course and started to really study about how to help kids and, and adults deal with the mind and the behavior. And so I became a huge advocate for that. And um, before I knew it, I had a huge practice dealing with children and their eating disorders, and then slowly started to recognize, and this is the part that's so amazing to me, food is one part of of our physical expression as far as the way we behave and react. It shortens mm-hmm. our ability because of all the blocks and the certain nutritions and sugars and, you know, shelf inhibitors and all these things that are in our food. Mm-hmm. That's one element. But then there's the part that I was really becoming super fascinated with was how children interacted in their families was being expressed out. So if the parents had a poor communication style, the children had a lost voice within their families. And wow. that started to, become the food was more of an expression of the loss of voice because it was the space they could control, which was very similar to my eating disorder as a child because mm-hmm. my sexual assault, I couldn't control my outer world. I decided to control the food and that became at that very young age, would it was called a picky eater back then. Mm. <laughs> it wasn't called you know an eating disorder, but then I realized I truly had started uh, anorexia at the age of four it started restricting all my food and everything just to control my environment because I had no voice and that just perpetuated the cycle. And of course, you know, delayed learning because your lack of nutrition and, yes. and also part, I do believe that when you, um, when you put pressure on a weak part of the body, it's going to break. And Mm -hmm. so um, my weaker part of my body at that time was reading skills. So dyslexia became my next experience. And so it was just really fascinating just watching these little things and seeing them relate to the people I was working with. So I started becoming very passionate about learning about the brain and the function of food and the brain and how the brain works and where the anxiety hits in the brain. And so I just started to perpetuate from there. But working with these families and recognizing Really supporting these kids to have a voice with their parents and starting to recognize the collapse between the mother and father and their communication skills and started to work with the mother and father and helping them strengthen their communication to have a better, healthy family dynamic. Then realizing all along that the men were feeling like they had a lost voice because women are becoming more, you know, masculine dominant because of we are really a society of women doing everything we could possibly do. We are the, Mm -hmm. we earn the income, we cook, we clean, we (laughs) raise the kids. Everything. (laughs) Yes. So it's not to put men under because they see men doing a lot of the same things. But I think we've all lost our roles. The traditional roles have started to skew Mm -hmm. and for right, wrong, good or bad. um, It's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. It's, it's just here. And so I've been helping men, it became a very huge focus in my practice to help men have a voice in their relationships emotionally, not to give up their man card, but to have power behind their voice and give them a chance to feel a sense of themselves and get a chance to articulate their feelings without feeling demasculinized. And uh, so that's basically what brings me up to today where I really help people in relationships you know, or of any kind, because it could be a relationship, even with yourself. Have mm-hmm. a voice there. You know, find the voice within you, in order to be authentically who you are, and stop wearing masks and disguising yourself from being that powerful version of yourself and giving your gifts that you're here to deliver. Beautiful so I'm very about that.
1: Beautiful. You're quite the remarkable human being, Tamara. Thank I just you. want to say you—you you really are. You're a powerhouse. Truly an empowered woman. Thank you. Um, so, you know, when we talk about triggers and when we correlate that back to what it is you do for a living and knowing the types of issues um, that would, you know, replicate some of your own individual issues in your back history, your backstory, we are very familiarized with the term of vicarious trauma. So what, yes. have you, what have you done within your own healing journey that doesn't allow you to continuously uh get re-triggered when you're trying to help (laughs) other people within the juncture of their journey.
2: You know, this is such a great question. I love that you asked this because, you know, a lot of the times when you become more efficient in some of your emotions, people think, well, you are just an expert and you don't have to deal with any of your emotions. not true. <laughs> and it's so not true because I think the more you know, the more you you have to like navigate. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> because you now open Pandora's box,
1: right? <laughs> exactly. And now you're doing it voluntarily yes, because yes. this is what you're signing up for, for the rest of your life as a servant yes. leader. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly, because now you have integrity
2: and you have to be authentic and you have your yes. feelings. And yes, no, it is amazing. I do celebrate um, my emotions. I, there are days where I'm super sad and I do not, I have learned to not attach the story to my emotions. And I know that sounds really weird, but the truth is, you get it? Yes. When we relive the story, we stay stuck in the pattern of our trauma. Mm -hmm. So if you can learn the art of letting go, which is sounds so simple in theory, but it's not quitting. It's not surrendering and saying, whatever, I guess it's just going to be what happens. That's, That's not what I'm talking about. It's fully embodying this opportunity of, saying, wow, that really hurt. That was really hard. That Mm -hmm. really stunk. And just Mm -hmm. letting it be. And not trying to justify it, minimize it, run around it, not, you know, go eat a donut, don't, you know, take a drink. And it's all these... Um, or even like over-communicate. I love some of my bypass folks who will call me up and go, blah, 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 blah. okay, I feel so much better. I'm like, okay, but now we just didn't deal with it. <laughs> we just <laughs> ran around it. <laughs> so I am a big advocate of, you know, you know talk therapy. But I really want my people to feel the opportunities that they're being presented so that the next time they have this trauma or this experience, because you will have it. Mm-hmm. It's inevitable. I mean, we're we're here to be, we're ha- here to have that human experience. And to build our emotional range. So if we don't take advantage of those opportunities to develop those skills, to expand our emotional range, we are shortening our, our joy of life. And it is, that's what we're here for, to have a joyful life and mm-hmm. develop that skill. And uh, so, yeah, I do. I deal with my emotions. I sometimes um, will journal them. Mm-hmm. I will sometimes just sit in it and let myself stream my tears and, and just feel, you know, I, I have this really funny thing that happens is I'll cry and then I'll start smiling in the middle of my crying because they'll start to feel it just start to melt and it feels so yummy because of mm. that, that embodied part of me is like, Oh, here we go. Yay. You know, Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> we're starting to go through it. And so, you know, I, I am a big believer that I, I enjoy having those human experiences and I refuse to desensitize myself. Um, I think that's another form of bypassing, you know, just, mm-hmm. you know, we're here to, to connect and be of service. And if I don't have my emotion, um, my emotional range expanded myself, I can't hold space for people going through deep trauma. So it is Absolutely. invaluable.
1: Absolutely. Well, let's talk about, you know, because we we understand the relationship and the correlation between consciousness and, and subconsciousness. So uh, as somebody who's always committed to personal growth, personal development, and honing your own mindset and really creating that, uh, that, place of self-love that frees you up to be in a position to help other people and help them authentically and genuinely as uh, they navigate their way through their journey with your assistance, Tamara. So let's talk about, you know, compartmentalization, you know, to what degree, if you want to like equate it numerically, like on a scale of one to 10 or 0% to 100%, you know, to what degree are you perhaps cognizant or still slightly uncognizant to how compartmentalization has in fact been a coping mechanism for you. Like I know you just said that, you know, you don't believe in, in uh, becoming desensitized because therefore it's still counterintuitive, but, but compartmentalization to the degree that you are fully aware of that within your own healing journey and your yeah. capacity to to ongoingly heal. Let's talk about compartmentalization. Sure. Yeah, you don't want to be a leaky puddle.
2: <laughs> right? <laughs> you, you don't you don't want to run around and be oozy. <laughs> yes. You you have to have containment. I totally agree. Um the whole point to, uh, navigating some of your emotions is to recognize that there is a flow. There is a moment of being able to connect to clarity and recognizing the gifts of your emotions, but not let them run the show. And so you definitely have to have, um, You know, there are, there are times where I'll say, okay, I'm going to allow myself to emotionally collapse for a little bit here just to release some of the pressure and the tension. And then I'll give myself a time limit. Sometimes I have to do that. You know, sometimes there's just not enough busy girl, busy life. You know, there's, we have to kind of like give ourselves those moments to self care. And like anything in our lives, we have to allow all the things to be balanced, and that's our biggest challenge is creating that balance. You know, I can get invested in work and have so much success and feel so good there. And then all of a sudden I realize I'm neglecting my family or neg- neglecting even self-care, you know, because mm-hmm. we get so you know deliberately passionate. Um, and and you're right. if you're if you are not um, if you're not in that balance, you you'll start to fall into your unconscious behaviors. You'll go into auto programming, right? You'll just mm-hmm. all of a sudden, through the system, and when I hit those moments, this is kind of a funny way to say this. You never really recognize when you're unconscious until you become conscious again. It's like right. <laughs> it's true. You don't, don't, you don't realize you slipped out of it. So what I have um, done, and for me, this shows up mostly with nutrition. I'll I'll be flat out honest. Because of having an eating disorder at such an early age, hunger pain doesn't really work the same way in my body because my body signals are all messed up. Since, you know, yeah. having an eating just a so little. So what happens to me is I actually have to schedule on a phone like my eating times, which sounds so silly. But if I don't, I won't take care of my body properly. So little things like that help me keep myself in check. Mm-hmm. And it's good to have structures and tools in place to support you, but not to let them run you. And I think that's where we get in trouble is we become codependent on these structures to be there. And we don't follow our intuition. So when I set those schedules, I'll say, "Huh, do I really feel hungry, or do I just—is it just a program?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm not really feeling hungry yet, so I'll just shelf that for now." So I allow my my intuition to override the structure if it serves me, and so I stay in that structure. I allow myself to feel into things and not just automatically go into autopilot. So that's how I navigate that. I hope that answers the question you were trying to get. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, beautiful,
1: beautiful. So I would be interested to know, as I'm sure the listening audience would be as well, Tamara, what are some of the polarities, dualities of your personality? So when we talk about Clearly, you're a very sensitive person, you're a very uh, vulnerable person, you're a very transparent person, but we also know for you to have gotten to a point where that is true of who you are today, and for everything that you've endeavored and embarked upon to get to a point in your career, as well as within your purpose of serving others, you have to have really honed uh, the mindset, and some people could even arguably say hardcore mindset, right? Like what you yeah, don't give yourself yeah. permission to relapse into, or what you don't give yourself permission to in terms of excuse making. Because at this age, in this stage in our life, particularly on the healing path, it does become fundamentally all about choices, right? Yeah, Is what we yes, right. Absolutely. So, yeah. what are some of, what are some of the dualities within your personality? So, okay,
2: I love that. So um, for me, what I recognize, and I agree with you 100%, everything is a choice. Everything. Even some of the sexual assault experiences I look back to and I see, um, as hard as this is to say, there is, there is a situation that happened because of some choices I made that put me into that situation. Now I'm not saying I deserved it and I'm not saying that you may, I had a choice to have sexual assault.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm just
2: saying there are choices I made that led me into that path. And so I'm well aware of now, instead of punishing myself, cause my, my alter ego goes and says, you know, or my punisher, I should say is, is my, um, gosh, you should have known better. <laughs> Why? Mm-hmm. Why did you do that? You know better than to do that. Uh, you know we automatically run into our internal shame. It's yes. part of the beauty of who we are, as part of the human experience. And so when I hear that internal voice, that shaming voice, come in, I'll say, "Whoo, hello! I Haven't heard you in a couple of couple of minutes." You know, I'm <laughs> like, "Here we go." <laughs> nice to see you. So I, I do, I acknowledge that, you know, that that pop in is the opportunity and that I am going to have In order for me to know when I'm on path, I have to have that voice. I have to have both. If I, otherwise you just, you just don't know if you're on, on path, you just don't. And you have to know, like, I am a true believer. We have to experience darkness in order to value light. Absolutely. And if we don't know the contrast or the polarity, like you said, we don't know, we don't have feedback that supports our clarity. Mm-hmm. So we almost have to have all those ranges met so that we can stay on path. So what happens to me when I have those moments of those dark thoughts or defeating thoughts, I'll sit there and go, oh, thank you. Okay, wow, look at that story. That's an intense belief system. Okay, wonder where that's going. And I'll play Mm -hmm. with it for a little bit. I don't shame it automatically. I don't go, oh, don't think that way because then that's what I call judge judging the judge. It's such a funny it's a concept where you know you you know you shouldn't be doing something, so you're gonna punish yourself. It's like you're double parenting, <laughs> <laughs> and that's not gonna work really well because it keeps you stuck, right? That's the you know that's the it's like slipping through the door under the through the cracks and and creating um, internal shame to still exist. And I'm not a believer that the ego is right, wrong, good or bad. I'm a true believer that the ego is here to help keep you safe,
0: help yes. support
2: you help you have clarity, help you navigate uncertainty. But if you live in the investment of the ego, meaning being esteemed by the ego's fight to be right, you'll lose a sense of yourself and you'll start living in those masks. You'll start wearing more of them. And so I've recognized that when when my mask or my faulty belief pops up, I'll sit there and go, oh, wow, there there's that thing that I know that doesn't serve me mm-hmm. and it doesn't serve the people I love. I'm just going to let that slide aside and recognize that I need to go back over here again. So we all have self-defeating thoughts. We all have negative chatter, Mm
0: -hmm. things we know we
2: could do better. And to me, I look at those as those opportunities to recognize that, okay, I've gotten off path and here's Mm -hmm. that indicator that this is the direction I want to go again. So it's that redirect.
1: Beautiful. So. And and really, in those moments, you know, when the, the real is running in our minds, you know, whether it's false beliefs, false concepts, or whether it's, it's the story we've given it in the past, and it's just on, on pilot, you know, mm-hmm. it's really about accepting or questioning the internal narrative. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yes.
2: Because you let that internal take over that belief of lack, that belief of, you know, I don't fit in, whatever the shame story is, that's all the shame is about. And that's holding you back, causing you to play small, which is truly what the ego's intent is. The Mm -hmm. fight, flight or freeze to protect you, to keep you safe. I mean, think about it in the wild, you know, the little animal that survives hides, It, it tucks down, it plays small. That is natural, but the courageous one comes in and says, I recognize the fear is here. I'm going to go anyway and really push myself into new expressions to expand my emotional range, to build my capabilities, to, you know, like that public speaker going out there for the first time, you know, letting the anxiety take over and Mm -hmm. recognizing, okay, it's not serving me to stay in my head about it, but to feel the energy of the audience and to connect to people and interact
1: with them. There's the shift, right? Right. Absolutely. Well, and again, you know, it comes back to it's it's one of two things. You're either questioning the narrative, the internal right. narrative, or you're reinforcing and reaffirming it, which is completely Absolutely. counterintuitive, right? <laughs> then, exactly. then you're going, then you're going in the wrong direction down the ra- rabbit hole, and we don't want that. Yes. Yes. So. Let's let's talk a little bit about your client base. Let's talk about what the common denominator is. We know that you you serve, uh, as I cited in the bio, you know th- what the particular challenges and the needs are of the people who interface with you and 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 are under your leadership uh, on the client roster, but despite their unique circumstances and everybody's story, no matter how similar or parallel the circumstances are, it's always unique to the individual. But what do you <laughs> find is the common denominator of what keeps people stuck or immobilized by fear, Tamara?
2: It's actually very, very, very simple. And, I, and I, when I say it, when I tell you guys are going to be like really Ah, uh, duh, you know, <laughs> but um, the truth is it's our minimized voice, the voice we minimize within ourselves. We like, yep. we will resist like, you know, when you're in, I'll just use a relationship for example. You know, you're in this relationship with somebody you really genuinely care about, and you're fearful that if you say something, they're going to feel hurt or mm-hmm. angry with you. So, what do you do? Usually, you don't say it, right? You avoid mm-hmm. the conversation. You don't speak about your feelings. You minimize yourself, missing this really cool opportunity to deepen your connection and your relationship with someone out of fear. You don't realize that if you share this in a way that's safe, someone actually can then support you. But mm-hmm. usually we don't do that. Usually we go, you know, when you did that, it made me upset. Well, that doesn't help. That puts mm-hmm. somebody in defense. So usually if you say, you know, when this happened, I made up that you were angry with me. The hmm. other person could go, oh my gosh, no, I was so not angry with you. I was in a rush. I was trying to get things done. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to be short. Yeah, uh, Light bulb. Now, yeah. you know, when you're running into an experience and that person's not making eye contact with you or not present to what you're saying – they're distracted. So you're missing the opportunity for connection. So for me, it's um, I came up with this concept of always asking permission before you start a conversation. Invite someone into the conversation with you before you start talking. That gives the other person the signals and the opportunities to connect with you, to recognize, oh, they're needing my attention or oh, wait a minute, let me finish this and then I'll give you my attention. Giving them an opportunity to be available to you. Instead of jumping in, and start spewing your information, you know, and they're not ready. Yes, yeah, <laughs> Like absolutely. a lot of us do, you know, and it's, it's, it's normal. It's what we've been taught to kind of do in our lives, but it really doesn't serve because it takes most relationships down a dark path because they always feel like somebody's more needy than the other. And the truth is you're both needy because you're not using skills that are supportive to the relationship
1: beautiful well put love that well let's let's dive into what are you currently actively working on what's upcoming on the horizon where can people connect with you for an initial consult or to tune into uh the podcast the youtube channel to sign up for a webinar all the things the yummy things that you've got going on <laughs> in space that. Here. yes 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 all of the above
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, actually, I have a really cool experience coming up in November, November 23rd. Um, once a month, I do this amazing workshop where we get a chance to spend a day together, deep diving some of the ethics, morals and values of who you are that mm-hmm. helps deepen your relationships. So it's all about truth, transparency and support, getting a chance to really strengthen your sense of self so that when you in- interact with relationships to others or a career or a personal like internal dialogue. You have a deeper understanding of what those negative stories are within you that are working against you in these relationships. So it's really a fun one day workshop. Um, That's again, November 23rd here Mm -hmm. in Phoenix. So um, if you're interested in that, you can go to my website and get some more information on that. Um, and I do, I have a YouTube show, um, called it's Tamara Blankenship and I call myself the soul fire igniter. So love it. Yeah. <laughs> the actual workshops called reignite your passion. You can see I'm kind of a spark fighter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and if you don't have time to come join me at the workshop, I do have a program starting, uh, it's actually going to start in November 18th. And that one is a 12 week program where we really do start breaking down some of these. It's the, the workshop just a one part of nine elements to how we show up. And so the workshop's designed to help you just get a taste of what the program looks like Mm -hmm. and see if that's something you want to pursue for yourself. So that's the way I work. I let people get a chance to play with it first before they invest. And uh, because 12 weeks is a lot of time to invest in self-care and self-love and you know, and it's, it's, it's a deep, intense program. So I want people to be fully invested for themselves and really play, really have a get a chance to be playful with themselves in that space.
1: Beautiful. And so it's, what is your website, Tamara? I mean, we're going to be uploading that with everything as we roll abs- this out.
2: Absolutely. It's just very simply Tamara So T-A-M, no middle A, T-A-M-R-A Blankenship, B as in boy, L-A-N-K-E-N-S-H-I-P.com.
1: Fantastic. And mm. so for you to be in the zone and for you to be constantly, consciously aware and awakened to what it is that you're doing and and, and loving your decisions and being in that space and that energetic sphere of self-love, to maintain that and to sustain that, what would be some of your daily rituals or mantras or proclamations or declarations or habits? <laughs> New- I love a- it. Yeah. Yes. Um, so
2: I, I'm a big believer of declarations over mantras, because I think when you say I declare, you're yes. going to make it happen. When you say a, a mantra, I feel like, yeah, it could happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, or, or usually you put the goal so high up that you're like, yeah, I don't know if I even believe it. So I'm a big believer of declarations. Um, so I do, I have a, um. I practice every morning that I start with. I I do every night gratitude right before bed. So Mm -hmm. I do three things I'm grateful for. And one thing that I would like to... Like figure out. Because I believe while you're sleeping, some of the best strategies come to you when you have present only one challenge or one thing you would like to see different. And then in the morning, you have all the answers. It's kind of fun. It's really a fun game to play with yourself. <laughs> but don't put too many. I just say only one because I know a lot of us will add too many things and before you're, not, you're up all night and it's not serving you. So that's right. one of my favorite things to do. And in the morning, I journal three pages, no more, no less. I take out the morning trash out of my brain and start the day fresh and new and allow myself to, you know, just kind of be present to what's going on. And if you can unload the, the faulty beliefs of the day before, you can have more clarity in your day. So I'm a big believer of morning pages. And then I go off to yoga. So I'm a big, um, if you're not big into physical fitness, I highly recommend a walk or mm-hmm. some kind of exploration and really celebrate some of that. And uh, if you're struggling with any of these things, I do um, also do private sessions. So if somebody needs some more direct support, maybe the group thing's not your thing, you're welcome to join and reach out for that as well. It's all on the website. So you're welcome Fantastic. to check it out. Fantastic.
1: Well, we've covered a lot of ground in this in this interview and more like a, a conversation. I feel like we're having coffee in person yeah. here, <laughs> yeah. which I absolutely love. That's how personable and how relatable you are. You're Thank a real you. deal. You're, I feel the sincerity of you. Um, you. So because we covered a lot of ground. Uh, and everything being very imperative and profound and worth noting. But if there was one specific takeaway that you would want to impart upon the listening audience or hope that they really got out of this particular interview with your answers to my questions uh, and your, you know, your ideologies, your philosophies, uh, some of your suggestions and tips, what would be the one pivotal takeaway that you would hope would resonate with the listening audience and the podcast subscribers, Tamara? Absolutely. Um, to be kind
2: to Mm. to yourself you know just self-love is so important as you're going through challenges recognize it's not happening to you it's happening for you and get a chance to really celebrate the discomfort and recognize that if you are struggling and you need support that it's not far to get help it's just as simple as reaching out and allowing someone to come in and support you find neutral spaces though because i do think a lot of the times Um, people have an agenda, especially our family. They don't recognize that they, they look at our past too much and they are not able to be present to what's really going on sometimes. And it's very Mm -hmm. difficult. So, uh, family and friends are lovely, but sometimes they have an agenda, (laughs) Not not an agenda like their agenda, more like an agenda that they think you should do. So it's like, it's important to recognize that safe places come from a neutral perspective. So Beautiful. if you have that, great. But yeah, that's, that's my big takeaway. Be kind and loving to yourself in this journey. It's a great life.
1: Absolutely. I subscribe to that wholeheartedly. And so for you clearly are somebody by my description and probably anybody who's tuning into this is living fearlessly. But mm-hmm. what does that personally mean to you? We all hold our own interpretations and understandings for that.
2: For me, living fearlessly is being courageously, boldly vulnerable, allowing people Mm. to see all levels of your depths of your soul and, and not, not hide, just not, not play small, not be minimized, um, allow yourself to be seen in your, in your flaws and, and in your perfection. Cause to me, that is what we build a connection through is being authentically vulnerable Beautiful.
1: So I want to put this to you. I don't think I've ever asked somebody this question before, but (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because again, it's all organic and you never quite know where this is going. So for, for the role that you embody, the hat that you wear currently and for the evolution within your own journey to get to the point of where you are. So if you were in a coaching session, a mentoring session with the adult self, who wears the hat, it embodies the role with the younger self, the three-year-old. What would the adult Tamara say to the three-year-old Tamara? That this is a gift and know that you'll be okay. Beautiful. Beautiful. And so do you work with children as well?
2: I do. My youngest child I've ever worked with, believe it or not, is five. (laughs) And my my old. And my oldest youngest child was ninety eight. So
1: <laughs> wow!
2: <laughs> so we've had a great range of amazing people in different stops and different parts of their journey. So I'm I, I truly believe that uh, being witnessed and holding space for someone is such a gift. So I am grateful for all the little lives that I've gotten to touch and be a part of. So, and if I you were to.
1: You know, and I'm sure you're proud of all of your clients in their own unique ways for, yeah. you know, what, what hoops they've jumped through and oh, uh, yeah. what gains they've made. But if you could offer the listening audience in terms of a testament to the work that you do with people and, you know, and reaffirm what they have said back to you in terms of a testimonial, what has been the most pivotal example of your work with somebody and it's produced monumental results?
2: Um. Boy, there has been many um, I opportunities to support people. Um, the ones that I can speak that, that, that are bringing through right now with that question is uh, thank you so much for this safe place to be seen and supported as who I am. Now I feel courageously brave enough to go ahead and do something that I was fearful to do. So, um, for me, I've seen, uh, divorces that were, that were literally the ink wasn't even dry, be saved and, um, still be married 10 years later, which is such an amazing gift to me. Cause I do believe mm-hmm. divorce can be eradicated. I do believe there are certain, you know, divorces that have to happen, but I do believe that, it, that some of them are really amazingly deep and loving and need, need just an opportunity to, to get better clarity. Um, um, some of my children that I struggle that that have struggles around anxiety, being able to see them graduate and move on through those college years and, and feel a sense of pride and fulfillment because they were so fearful. Uh, gosh, there's just so many I've been, I've been blessed with so many that my that um, 98 year old that I just mentioned, uh, before he passed, he got a chance to have a loving connection with his son. That's the reason he hired me to come in and help Mm -hmm. him mend a broken relationship before he passed, um, without guilt for both of them. And that was uh, just an amazing moment for me just to watch two love, two people who love so, each other so much fight for, for over 15 years to reconnect and, and to heal. What a gift.
1: Beautiful.
2: So, yeah. Good work. So the amazing. Good work, Tamara. Amazing opportunities. Thank you.
1: <laughs> so let me ask you this and yes, it's still obviously it comes down to making choices and you elect what spaces you want to energetically put yourself in and yeah. exit and departure, the ones that you don't, but talking about transparency, are there still environments like what environments or spaces uh, that are part of your, even if it's on the periphery of your day-to-day reality, where you might still feel remnants of being voiceless? Um. If at all. No, there are. I think that's
2: the human experience, right? I mean, that's, mm-hmm. there are moments where I feel, um, you know, like, I think all entrepreneurs struggle with consistency. And mm-hmm. so I think we all uh, push extremely hard. And mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, you're always chasing, 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 trying to make sure everything is in order and everyone's understood so there's a lot of that um that's actually I just hired someone <laughs> to help me with this because I feel like there's constantly this burden of run 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 yes and so i personally am seeking out more space but more consistency and more flow it be financial it be in my schedule just more self care time mm-hmm. i think we all aspire to um, be of service in a way that provides balance. And so I think that that's a space we all continue to strive, you know, to connect to is the financial balance and the, um, uh, the physical, uh, self care time and, you know, creating that abundance in all elements of life. So Mm -hmm. family time and all of that. So, yeah.
1: Beautiful. Well, you know, and I mean, I'm, I'm kind of preaching to the preacher when I say this, but for people like you and I who are pre-wired and destined to have lofty goals and aspirations yes. <laughs> and we expect a lot of ourselves. Yes, you know, exactly what I'm
2: speaking about. Exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, there's always going to be competing priorities. I mean, there's always yes. going to be things that are equally important to us that we want to accomplish because we know that the work that we're doing yeah. is for the greater good of the collective. And so we don't want to... You know, we don't want to get complacent, we don't want to get too occupied with the minutiae that we lose focus of what the purpose is, because if we fall into that space, then other people are potentially uh, feeling the detriments of that. Right? Yes, yes. And I even to
2: add to that, I feel like there's a responsibility to things that have been asked to be of service to, to help mm-hmm. that lost voice. And yet there is there there's not one person that can take care of that. That's that's a that's a world commitment. Everyone has yes. to be of service to the forgotten children, to you know, the hunger of all the people that are starving, to people who don't feel emotionally met, you know, all those different ranges. And I do, I agree with you. There's There's that really, really important element of, you know, we need to keep that balance for sure.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to give you the opportunity again for the benefit of the listening audience and the podcast subscribers, Tamara, where can people reach out to you and what again is upcoming on the calendar?
2: Absolutely. The best place to reach out to me to actually set up an appointment right away is my website. That's Tamara, T-A-M-R-A, Blankenship, B-L-A-N-K-E-N-S-H-I-P.com. There's a calendar there you can schedule right away. There's also more information. There's testimonials, all kinds of stuff there. And um, also listing events that are coming up with the upcoming November workshop. I do only post each month's workshop one at a time because I don't want to... uh, Um, truly, I really want to work with people who want to ignite that passion right now and accelerate that. So um, in the next coming months, there's a couple other programs I'm going to be adding to the docket. One is on communication and the other one's on healthy boundaries. So there's going to be always an evolution of that. So the workshops are kind of a fun space. And uh, if you can join in on that, it'd be great to see you there. You can sign up for that as well on the website.
1: Fantastic. And you're going to be in Phoenix in November?
2: Yes, it's 23rd. Yes. 23rd. Fantastic.
1: And where can people access your podcast for those who want to chime in or or be a prospective guest on your platform? Um, The actual best place to do that is YouTube. I put everything on YouTube at
2: this point. I should be doing my podcast. So thank you for that. I actually shut it down for a while because I was trying to keep the YouTube going. So you'd actually be the best place to find me and other interviews I've done is on YouTube. So that would be Tamara. Again, Tamara Blankenship, Soul Fire Igniter.
1: Fantastic. So in, in being cognizant of time here, Tamara, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wish that I had so that you could like, you know, let other information be imparted to the listening audience, which would be of great benefit?
2: Um, just to keep on listening to you, you're absolutely amazing. I truly enjoy you. You're a dynamic interviewer. i just oh, so grateful to be in this space. So thank you. Thank you so much for this time. And I'm just extremely abundantly appreciative of, for you and all Aww. that you do.
1: So you just gave you. me goosebumps. Thank you, Tamara. <laughs> I mean, coming from you, that is such a, a compliment because I know how committed you are to you know, momentous growth and personal growth and development and I know how authentically real you are and I know the resonance that you have with people either people that are your client base people that you're speaking to on the stage people that you're interfacing and interacting with through YouTube, um, you've just got so many different platforms of engagement and uh, I know from the homework that I've done on you um, <laughs> pe- people speak very highly of you so thank I just want to thank you for being the gem that you are and uh, and for being in this space and, and keeping people like me on my toes to aspire to always (laughs) want to be my best. So thank you for that. It's the gift that. that keeps on giving. So, and of course, you're always welcome to come back because you're always going to have something new going on that you would want to share with the listening audience. So please know you have an open standing invitation here anytime, Tamara, on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. To the listening audience, I want to thank you as well, once again, for taking time out of your hectic schedules, for tuning into myself and Tamara Blankenship today here on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. I'm very clear on my purpose. My purpose is to uplift you to fear less and to live more. So until next Friday, when we're joined, by yet another yummy guest i want to wish you all my best love and gratitude to all of you and to you as well tamra thank you so much thank you take care bye bye